Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Friday afternoon, 2.30, that kind of thing. And I'm going to try to do the uh, Summon Bonin podcast, or at least as much as I can. I still have all this pain, but I would like to uh, get it, uh, at least start the discussion. And that is, what exactly, how do you see Bashir time, different opinions in Shittas? And last time, I tried to give a kind of a general overview of Jewish history and thoughts about the Mashiach and lack of thoughts about the Mashiach um, for thousands of years. And I mean, when they had a Bayesian and a Bayesian and all the rest of it, the general way was, you know, to think this is it, this is the final one. And if you're a bad king, it'll be fixed up and so forth. You and I today, looking at it with a certain perspective, you know, like the historians always say, the past is always changing. And so that being the case, so... We say, oh, I see that uh, Gaulus was destined to last, you know, a little and void for thousands and thousands of years. And, you know, uh, how do we organize the messianic stuff into that context? Now, um, you know me, I'm going to take this historically. And truth is, I am under a little pain, but I'll try to do an opening of the discussion. And as always, this series is for Mishpachas Stefanski that are sponsoring it, uh, because they're interested apparently in, you know, what are you davening for? It's not just, you know, what's the scheme? How do we see the big picture? Which is a perfectly valid question. It's kind of funny. The Jewish religion, not being a church, doesn't have doctrines. So they never had an organized thing like the Sanhedrin or whatever. It says, this is how the Mashiach is going to be. Rather, anything, it's not a matter of halacha. Uh, there's always been different opinions. I mentioned the other day, as I'm sure you know, there was a big fight in the 1500s about restoring the, the, the Sanhedrin. You know, in Eretz Yisrael, the Mari Bey Rabbers, the Rabbach, and so forth. You just have different opinions. We don't have a Pope. We don't have a Sanhedrin. And so all you can do is you have different gedolim with different opinions. And it's never been possible to get them all behind one zach. That's just... How it goes. The good Lord must have wanted that way, and it must be advantageous. So, what I'm going to do and start the discussion today, I don't know how long this will go, it's before Shabbos, but like I say, I don't, I don't want the week to go by, if, if I can physically handle this, to uh, without taking a, a, a shot at it. When you go in Jewish history, and you finish the Talmudic era, so you're talking about the five, six, seven, eight hundreds, so... Um, it's what we call the period of Rabban and Savaroi. It's also a lot of obscurity in Jewish history, what's happening outside of Bavel, without going into all the details. And in Bavel, you have the Tekufas HaGaonim, which means when the two yeshivas were flourishing to one degree or another, Sur and Pumbadisa, and the Gaon is just simply a title used to give the guy who's ever in charge of the Rosh Yeshiva, Yeshiva A, and or the Rosh Yeshiva, Yeshiva B, Sur and Pumbadisa. If you were elected Rosh Yeshiva, 
you are elected Gaon. It's a high and fancy title, which obviously means you're going. Um, in Babel, I would say in general, imitating the uh, Muslim and Persian uh, culture, they love titles. You see? They love titles, and people fought over titles. And you see this in Yekon Porkan. Rishi Gavasa, Diana de Baba, you know, all this stuff. There are many others as well. And, uh, you know, when times were good, these titles meant something. When times were bad and money was tight, these titles were given out as honorifics to people who got the yeshiva checks, big checks. Not much has changed in uh, 20,000 years, but okay. Now, to get to our subject. When we ask a question now, therefore, what do you find in Jewish literature? Torah literature, perhaps? After the Gemara and all that, so there's like two answers. There's a wave of Messianic Midrashim, and then there's stuff from the Gaonim. The Messianic Midrashim, I don't want to go into today. Uh, because a lot of them are, are, are spurious, and it's a whole big malucha to, malucha to you know, separate the wheat from the chaff. And so I'm not going to go into that today. However, when you get to the Gaonim, the famous Rosh Hashivas in Surah Pabadis, that's a different story. They're dealing with a heavy hitter. And it so happens that uh, Sadi Gon on the one hand, and Rabhai Gon on the other, for the two famous people, obviously, um, were asked about the Messianic era, the Summum Bonum, the final utopia, and uh, they had kind of a mahalach on it. Now, the place to look this up is in the Shalos and Shivas Gonim, but you're not going to find it there. Instead, if you look at the Otsar Gonim from Binyam Menashe Luin, which I've mentioned before, if you have that set, which I'm sure it's in Hebrew books, and you look at Masech Tzuka, you'll find it there. Okay, that's where the thing is famous, because he collected from the other places, uh, from the Tom's Canaan and this place and that place. Okay, whatever. So I'm holding in front of me. Two books, two texts. One in Hebrew, one in English. The, if you ever have a chance to get this, and you're interested in these kind of subjects or anything like that, this is a book you should get. You probably never heard of it, most of you. And it's called Eretz Yisrael B'Sifrut HaTshuvot. Eretz Yisrael in the Responsal Literature. And it was published, I think, in the 60s. I mean, I bought it many moons ago, 1966. Rabbi Stepansky, if anybody remembers him. Rabbi Dr. Stepansky. Is a great Talmud Chacham, and also a good historian. And the very fact, this is before the Six-Day War, and the very fact he's writing three volumes, Eretz Yisrael B'Sifrut HaTshuva, is really cool. He goes, goes through all the Shalos and Shuba literature, down to his time, and any time there's an Indian that involves Eretz Yisrael, uh, you know, from the Shubas, he brings you that part with footnotes. I remember, I bought, obviously I bought this Long, long ago. Not in the 60s, but I bought it long, long ago. And the first volume, it's three volumes, is called Kufas HaGaonim HaRishonim. I don't know if it's on the Hebrew books. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. But it's very good. And again, what he does is he shares with you snippets, unless the whole Indian is short, with very good footnotes. And so just reading the table of contents, he has Milas Eretz B'Yushalayim, Helchus Eretz Yisrael, you know, down the, down the centuries, Midrashim Ba'agodas Eretz Yisrael, that's the one we're going to concentrate on. Midrashim Ba'agodas Eretz Yisrael, especially the first chapter, Hagu'ula Ha'asido, and then Chomer History B'Sifrit HaTshuvot. This is when the Shalos and Tubas try to tell you what happened to Hanukkah time or something like that. And then he's got the Roshonim period, 
and Hilchas uh, Eretz Yisrael about Shemitah controversy, all kind of nice stuff, right? All kind of nice stuff. He even has over here a Geula Asida later on. Um, I'm not sure. That's probably the the, the Messianic Midrashim, which I don't want to do today. Now, I can sit here and read and translate from Haigon. And it's very, very good. It's, it, no, let's put it this way. It's extremely interesting. If Haigon was the Rosh Hashiva, the Rosh Hashiva in his time, I think everybody kind of sort of knows that, sort of. And he was asked Shalos from all over the world. Why not? And some of them were in Halach and some were Agadita. And some of them were like Mishpach and Stefanski. He knows what's, you know, Shaltim Lefarsh Lechem Echtia Yeshua. Tell me the whole business, as I'm being asked to do in these set of podcasts. And Vaigon said, "In Bossi Lafarsh called Dabra Darmi in Digduki Yala Hasman." It'll take too long to go on the whole thing, because I'm writing you one shiva. Ani Magid Klolos called Dabra, but I'll tell you the whole thing in a close stick away. Now at this point, I'm going to shift over to an English book because most of you will understand it easier if I read it just in English. And it's very good for my favorite heretic, uh, what's his name, Louis Jacobs, in his famous book, uh, Theology and the Response, which is very good also. And um, what he called, he is giving, of course, as a theological question, you find a response to literature. It's a very good work of, of scholarship. And he does have over here, because why not, this tuba more or less which he renders into good English. And this is, I think, what I'll do now. And maybe next time I'll go into the Hebrew of it and be mine it a little bit here and there. And this would represent the Gaonic approach to this question of Moses and Mashiach, how they envisioned it, which you'll see is quite detailed. And they really worked on putting the Psukim together and the Midrashim and the, and the Gemaras and all the rest of it. And so it's a grand work of dialectical reconciliation very much like you'd say, you give a sugi shear from a master magad shear, you tie everything together into one mahalach. That's pretty much what Haigon does. It so happens, by the way, that somebody who was a little earlier than Haigon, that Sadigon, when he wrote his book, Immunus Vedeus, I'm just sharing with you the classic sources. Immunus Vedeus, which is his philosophy book, it's the first book of medieval Jewish philosophy. And remember, he's a godol, he's not Stama philosopher in the Velterine. Zadigon was the Rosh Hashiva of Surah. Just think about that. So, um, he also has on this, and that's because, from a philosophical perspective, he wants to know, you know, um, what are we davening for? What are we looking for? In other words, how do we envision? Everybody knows that the picture is never going to be exactly the way you say it, but it's going to be clawless, as he said, basically the way you say it. So here I'll read you this um, precy of Rav Haigon. And um, it goes as follows. Uh, one second. One second. Uh, here we go. Now, Rahagon says, Behoser Mishnei Hakates Ches Chanim, Hem Shnei Tchilas HaYeshua Shanos Chambem Shuwash Ben David Bo. So he starts talking about what we call the seven-year business where the Chazal understood David Amal, the, the Mashiach is going to come in there. But now he goes into um, full detail. Listen to this. First, and I'm reading. First, says Rabbi, the Mashiach by Yosef, 
not the Mashiach ben David. Together with a number of his followers will conquer Yerushalayim and proclaim himself king of Israel. So you can already see somebody has been born or something like that. One second. Had a little interruption there. So I'll start again. First, Mashiach ben Yosef with a number of his followers will conquer Yerushalayim and proclaim himself king of Israel. Now we'll see, this Mashiach ben Yosef is not going to last too long. That's why, throughout history, you've had a lot of times where people say this, this guy's Mashiach. Maybe he's Mashiach ben Yosef, maybe he's Mashiach ben David. Yeah? And you can even say, as we shall see over here, you know, it could be Chavis ben Gurion or something like that, because don't worry, he's going to get killed, you see? <laughs> the majority of the Jews in the Chutzlars will remain unconvinced, however, that the end of the days is near. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? You really could tell to the modern Israel, but you don't know. Uh, when the nations of the world hear that the Jews now have a king, they will drive the Jews out of their cities, questioning the Jews' loyalty to their own realm. Now the Jews have a kingdom of their own. So in other words, is Zionism going to cause charges of dual loyalty? I want to repeat, this is written a thousand years ago, more. Many Jews, so in other words, there'll be a, the establishment of the state of Israel, or as they, he would call it, the Meshach ben Yosef kingdom of Yerushalayim, will lead to pogroms. Right? Many Jews will be compelled to flee. For, and by the way, he has second to back all this up. Next time, I hope, when I'm feeling a little better, uh, uh, we'll go through the Hebrew of it. But, because, um, you know, it's, these are, what I'm telling you is nothing unknown. This is the classic stuff. So, um, many Jews will be compelled to flee for safety to the Midbar, surrounding their former place of residence. There they will dwell in tents and suffer severe deprivations. So the Jews will be uh, going to a kind of a no-man's land or something like that. So great will be their sufferings that many will shmag. Many will, will convert, leave the Jewish faith. Then, so in other words, this Mashiach ben Yosef is interesting because he will set up a kingdom of Yerushalayim, as he calls it over here, but, eh, you know, I'm not done. Then, the anti-Messiah Armelus will attract a great following by means of, of, of Kishaf, that are his, and he will succeed in his plan to murder Mashiach ben Yosef. So, according to this famous scheme, the Mashiach ben Yosef has a short shelf life. He will start the ball rolling, but he will be killed along the way. This is certainly not the final Geula. Um, and he'll be killed, even says, by somebody they know named Armelus. Uh, I'm not 100% sure where they got that from, but that's what it is. Armelus sounds like a, a Roman-type name, but whatever. From then, now, Rabbi Gohan's writing this, like in the 990s, something like that. Something in that area. Um, from this, further acts of apostasy will result. In other words, when the person who came and appeared to Mashiach, and people put their money on him, by that I mean they put their amun in him, and he seemed to deliver, and then he got killed, many people go off the derech. They will convert to other religions. Only the most faithful Jews remaining loyal to Judaism. And I'm sure he bases this on the Pesukim in Daniel, which says that the frum will be then refined and worn away until the hardcore of super frum and super amuna people remain. Then, these guys are really get screwed. They'll suffer the Chevli Mashiach of which the rabbis speak. So in other words, the worst suffering comes after the killing of the Mashiach ben Yosef, uh, and obviously the destruction of that state. And then comes terrible suffering. But they will cry out to God in their trouble and, will, and God will hear their cry. So I repeat, if you look at Daniel, which I'm not sure many people do, and I'm talking about the last uh, big uh, uh, prophecy which goes extends over three chapters. 
if I remember correctly, it's 10, 11, and 12, chapters 10, 11, and 12. So uh, you'll see that there'll be some kind of terrible war, and when Kla Yisrael is like, Mamish up the creek, they'll cry out, and Hashem will intervene. They'll cry out to God in the trouble, He will heed their cry. Eliyahu will then appear to the Jews in the desert. That's not in Daniel. He'll be followed by Meshech ben David. Ah, so now we get to the Meshech Meshech, okay? Meshech ben David, who will bring back from the dead the Meshech ben Yosef. Ah, see that? So the Meshech ben Yosef was killed, but Meshech ben David will do Tchiesa Mason on him. This resurrection will be the first of many miracles that the Meshech will perform. So according to the Gaonim, and I would like to point out, Sajigon of Haigon either, these were, roughly speaking, I don't want to overdo the term, but roughly speaking, they're kind of rational. But nevertheless, Mashiach time is not associated with simple rationalism. Okay? We're talking about Nisim and it flows. And so this will be the first, according to this version, the Mashiach is going to be doing a lot of Nisim supernatural. The Mashiach will then reign, Mashiach and David, in other words, will then reign in Yerushalayim, where the Jews from the desert will come to live in safety and tranquility for many days, planting vineyards and building houses. So now they'll really set up a, a state of Israel, um, hoping for security. But the Arabs will attack. Gog, 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 hearing of the Mashiach's fame, will raise a mighty army for an attack on Jerusalem. So you see, Gog, Gog, according to this, come after the Mashiach ben David has been established. Gog and his army will be defeated, God visiting, ter- visiting terrible calamities upon them. And I think many of you listening are probably familiar with the famous Avtoros in the Yishayon Yechezka that talk about the dead bodies of the Gog and Magog. But the dead bodies all over the place means it'll be a bloody war. You understand? If I tell you, we just had a battle, we won, but there are two million enemy dead all over the place. You say, holy cow, two million dead? Must have been a big battle, you understand? So that's what he's saying here. Um, uh, what do we call it? Then, uh, in order to appease the Mashiach, because once Gog and Mug is destroyed, then the Gaim around the world will say, uh-oh, we better not mess with the Jews. The nations of the world bring gifts to Israel. All the Jews of the world will then come to Yushalayim. So isn't that interesting? He does envision, like what we're seeing in our time, sort of, a kind of a two-stage or multi-stage Aliyah. First, to be the ones, like you say, in the Middle East from the desert, which Mamash happened in the 20th century. And then eventually, let's say, for example, from America. You know what I'm uh, All the Jews of the world come to Yushalayim, some of them by miraculous means, until only the dead are left behind in the diaspora. So basically, the Americans will wait to the end of Gogomogog, and then once it's clear that all the anti-Semites have been smashed by divine intervention, then the Americans will move to Israel. Then, that ain't nothing yet. Then the great trumpet will then be sounded, and you'll have Tchiesa Mason, the devil arrive from the graves. That's the idea. At first, the dead will look like they looked at the time of their death, because you want to know how to identify them. Those who died as old men will rise as old men, the cripple will rise as cripples. This will be for the purpose of establishing their identity previous existence. You know, because if my great-great-grandfather came looking like they when he was 10 years old, I wouldn't know. Uh, afterwards, Hashem will heal them, and they all become young and whole in body. They won't have any uh, bad knees. Then seven shepherds, and this is interesting, will lead them. Shiva Rohan. Who are the seven shepherds? Adam. Hmm. Adam Rishan. 
Chase. Chase, of course, is my grandfather and yours, correct? Kind have all left. Mrs. Shalach, Avram, Yaakov, Moshe, and David. Now, why Yitzchak not? Um, again, it's Adam, Shays, Mr. Shalach, Avram, Yaakov, Moshe, and David. Plus eight Nesim. Yishai, Shaul, Shmuel. So look at that. Shaul Amelech, with all of his adventures and misadventures, will be one of Nesim. At the time, be Musa Mashiach. Almost Tzvan Yechizkel Yohan Mashiach. Which of the dead will be resurrected at that time? Only those who were either tzaddikim all their lives. Well, that's like two or three people, you know. Or those who did shuba before their death. That's more. The resurrected dead will then be shown how to rebuild the race of Middash. And that's how it'll be. So in other words, this is fascinating. At least I argue that it is. Because apparently the kingdom of Jerusalem, or if I would call them a Yisrael, they'll be set up from the from the Mashiach uh, ben Yosef before he gets killed. Does not have base amigdash. The Arabs have it or something like that. Now that we won Gogomogog and all this other stuff, now those who are dead will come to get some Mason and they'll say, We know how to build a base amigdash because we remember from the old, some Taina that the new temple will drop down from heaven. We all have heard that also. Famous Rashi and Rosh Hashanah come down in fire. All Jews as well as their male and female slaves will become the VM. And of course, there's a famous busik in EOL. All the gun will be converted to Judaism. Ah, so that's interesting. You'll see the Ramam doesn't hold this at all. So the, the Jewish position will see so mighty and so amazing that everybody will convert to Judaism and will go up, you know, and so forth, and will go up to the house of El Yaakov. Around the world. For all the Goyim. When these nations come to Mashiach, he will order them to stop making war with one another. All the wild beasts will be banished from the Holy Land. Isn't that interesting? I think today, um, the vast majority of the wild beasts and banished from Israel because there's so many people that have killed them over the years. I think. As for those alive, when the Mashiach comes, and therefore they never suffered a death decree for all mankind, in other words, ah, you got to kill some Mason, but I was lucky enough to live and be 20 years old when the Mashiach came. Not fair. They will live to ripe old age, but also die eventually. No one will die young, though, in that age. Death will ultimately be destroyed forever. Here we come for the philosophical side. Is this the best we can hope for? That there'll be a state of Israel, everybody will be from the Habibis and Mish, the king will be Mashiach, and people can, you know, just... Uh, dwell securely. It's got to be more than that, at least for those who are thinkers. And so he says that um, death will ultimately be destroyed forever. Bilamov is the nets of other words. Those who have died during Messianic age will be resurrected. They'll live in, in Olam Haba, whatever that means. The Shekhinah will then come down the rest of Yerushalayim, appearing like a great column of fire, reaching from earth to heaven, and so bright that the light of the sun and the moon will be dimmed. And that's the Sechzenoi Nino Vishuv Chalitzim Brachamim. Right? Sechzenoi Nino Vishuv Chalitzim Brachamim. Machzir Shechino Salitzim. Brings back to Shechino. The heavens and earth will appear if they were new. They're persistent like that. As if the old earth and heaven are utterly transformed. So in other words, the whole matzav of, of life and 
humanity and the earth, all the rest of it, will be in a different thing than it is now. We don't know what it is, but it'll be something different. Some say that this state of affairs will last until the year 7,000. So in other words, now we're in 57, what, 83? So another 1,000 years or so, 1,200 years and so forth. But others say no. This is before the Ramah. This is Rehagon. Others say no. The earth will go on for many thousands of years. But sooner or later, Shemayim Barts will come to an end. So in other words, in the long, long, long run, after a, a, a good time of Gashmias, will come the destruction of all uh, Gashmias, but in a good way. In other words, it won't hurt anybody, and everybody will be translated to a higher uh, a madrega of existence. Okay? Eventually, Shemayim Barts will come to an end. The dead have been resurrected, will enter Olam Haba. So obviously, to him, <coughs> Olam Haba is a state of being. It's a it's a metaphysical thing, not a place. Hashem will then create a new heaven and a new earth. And in the, in the Olam Haba, the righteous will live on forever in another kind of a way. Now, um, I'll say it again. And all this is in Hebrew, uh, backed up by many psukim. I'm looking at the footnotes. I think, as I said before, just a few occurred to me as we said them. And the point I want to get across before I close is, do you see, they give a lot of thought to it. I don't believe Haigon just sat down and and came up with this time in the Velterheim. It must have been discussed in many places. This was in the 900s and early 1000s. At that time, the whole Middle East was ruled by the Arabs and the Muslims. Uh, Remember, the the Goni Kishi was in Baghdad which was the capital of the Arab Empire at that time. And um, you can kind of see that this sort of envisions something of a medieval monarchy, but one based on Sedek B'Yoshar, and eventually when the when, uh, when higher Madrigus of existence. Uh, so according to this, and I again, I'll, I'll hope to come to it back in Hebrew, according to this, when you're davening, you say you want to make Muslim Mashiach, and similar types of things, you're more or less saying what I just said here, although probably what you mean is, as the Gemara says, Let I don't want to be there for the Gogomago War, because that sounds like it'll be a bummer. But I want to be there not in the Gogomago War. So to tell you the truth, the way he describes it, if, for example, if you live in America, assuming that nothing bad happens over here, which you can never assume, but I'm just saying assuming that, stipulating that for a minute, so the Gogumug battle happened in the Middle East, and then when it'll be over, he says, then everybody go to Israel anyway. So it's an interesting kind of way of approaching it. Um, it's a very nice English um, summary of the Shita of Rabhaigon and the Gonim in general. Sadigon has something like this in Munis Videos. And um, you see, therefore, people gave serious thought to exact to the exact uh, scenario. I want to make one thing very clear. He's not tining, I know that this is the way it's going to be. Not Ruhaigon, not Ruhaigon, not Sadigon. They say, I think this is how it's going to be. You don't know. If you have the various Gemaras, and you have the various Psukim, and you have, like I said before, the book of Daniel, and so on and so forth, and you try to put it together, as a God of Israel can do, not you and I, you know, putting it together to make a master Shear out of it, so you come up with something along the lines that I just said. This is, as I said before, the beginning of the discussion of how they envision the summon bonum. And uh, the hours talk late. So, once again, I want to thank Mishpacha Savansky uh, for coming up with this new idea. It's an interesting idea. 
And I want to wish everybody a good Shabbos. And hope by the next time I talk to you, maybe I'll feel a little bit better on, on this stuff. I'm going to Cleveland, by the way. Those of you in Cleveland, I have on Sunday up and down. Because I have a chassan, a student of mine is getting married there. Elio Ishakas. So maybe I'll see some of you in Cleveland. I don't know. Have a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.